sharing our faith and passion for the Lord Jesus Christ with others is a desire of Zion Christian Fellowship. Our prayer is that this message will have a lasting impact on your life and draw you closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. This message is not copyrighted. You are free to make copies for friends and neighbors. We only ask that you copy it in its entirety without alterations or changes. Now unto the King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Good morning. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. We need to do that together. And then also, I was blessed by the song service. Multiple different songs talked about God's love, but um, the one, uh, 350, Heart with Loving Heart United. Um, Heart with Loving Heart United met to know God's holy will. Let his love in us ignited more and more our spirits fill. May God's love ignite our hearts today. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we come before you this morning and we feel our need and how small we are in comparison to how great and mighty you are. I pray you would meet with us today. Thank you that you have promised to meet um, where two or three are gathered and pray you would your spirit would be here, a calm and a stillness would rest upon this place. Pray you bless your word, bless those that uh, bring it. Pray all these things in your name. Amen. <clears throat> this morning, I was pondering what to think or what to speak on, and I've been reading through the first, uh, second, and third John lately, so I thought I would preach out of there. If I can get my notes in the right order here. The title of my message is Living in the Light of Love. So, for starting out, I want to read First uh, John one through f- through two eleven. <clears throat> that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show it unto you, that eternal life which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father, and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship one with another, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth this word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Brethren, I write no, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, and the light, the true light, now shineth. He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. The first uh, four verses of First John, um, I labeled them, well, one of them was the heading in my Bible, it says the word of life, or I labeled it the coming of Jesus. It talks about um, the word or Christ being from the beginning, um, how he was manifested, and John talks about how he had seen him and heard him and touched him. These were all evidence to John of Christ's um, coming in the flesh. But he was, uh, he, he says it in a variety of forms. Um, let's see. Seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. Um, and then he says again, we have seen and bear witness and show unto you. Um, but, he's t- but all of this is all talking about Christ. And he, he wrote it to the... Um, he wrote all this down so that we would know and could have fellowship with him, with him in, this, in the belief of this truth and mar- may partake of the joy which flows from the doctrine that the Son of God has actually come in the flesh. So it's, it's just a kind of setting the groundwork for what he'll talk about later, um, about Christ coming in the flesh. So then verses 5 through 10, I would say is, so that was the coming of Jesus, and the next kind of section is the person of Jesus. This then is the message which you have heard heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. It's talking about Christ. There's no darkness in Christ. Um... And if we profess to have fellowship with him, we must walk in light. No darkness means no impurity and no sin. And then in verse 6, if we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Um, If we are in darkness because he is light, if we're in darkness, then... um, 
we are ignorant and sinful, and it proves that we cannot have fellowship with him. That's a pretty, um, I don't want to say bold statement, but it's a very direct statement. We cannot have darkness and say we have fellowship with him. Uh, Verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, if we partake of his character and spirit, then we shall have fellowship one with another through the brothers, and we may believe that the blood of Christ will cleanse us from all our sins. And then in verse 8, if we, uh, verse 8 through 10, I kind of talks about uh, we aren't to allow ourselves that we to feel that we have no sin. Um, we're to bear in mind that we are always sinners or we always have a sin nature as long as we are on this earth. Um, and we're, we're to let that fact produce the proper impression on us that drives us to Christ and seeking him and his power over our lives. And then, just kind of want to look at verse 9 a little bit separately. Um, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So though we're supposed to bear in mind that we always have a sin nature, um, we're not to be despondent. Um... But we're to remember that if we truly confess our sins, um, he will be faithful to his promise that he has promised uh, and forgive us from all of our sins. It's pretty amazing. I mean, has some pretty uh, drastic statements in here about God is all light and there's no darkness in him. And then if we confess our sins, he'll forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Um, And kind of moving on to chapter 2 here, I would say, so the first one was the coming of Jesus, the next one is the person of Jesus, and then this one is the saving knowledge of Jesus. Uh, This would be verses 2, chapter 2, 1 through 6. I might read this section out of the commentary I got about that says the great object which he had or John had in writing to them was that they should not sin and yet if they sinned and were conscious that they were guilty before God they should not despair for they had an advocate with the father who had made propitiations for the sins of the world this is properly a continuation of what he had said in the close of the previous chapter so in some ways, it seems like chapter 2 is closing off the same thoughts as the end of chapter 1. Um, about being forgiven all of our sins and cleansing us from all unrighteousness. Um, he talks about Jesus being our advocate and the propitiation for our sins. And not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. 
and the evidence that we know God um, and are his true friends is found in the fact that we keep his commandments. It says, and hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. And then it has a promise in verse 5. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. That's quite a promise. Can you? What is the love of God perfected in mine and your hearts? To think about that and ponder that is um, pretty amazing to think of what the love of God is and then having it perfected in us. <clears throat> so in the next uh, verses uh, 7 through 11... I have labeled uh, redemption made possible through Jesus. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. The apostle says that he had been saying, what he had been saying was no new commandment, but but was what they had always heard concerning the nature of the gospel. But though in this respect the law of love, which he meant particularly to enforce, was no new commandment, none which they had not heard before, yet in another respect it was a new commandment, for it was one which in its peculiarity was originated by the Savior, and which he meant to make the characteristic of his religion. The thing that defines Christianity um, over all these other religions you look at is love. It's, it's all based on love. Um, it's Christ giving himself, coming down and becoming incarnate and suffering for the sins of the world. <clears throat> I'd like to skip up to chapter 3 of First John and kind of go through that also. It's actually 3 and 4. Um, I'll read through the whole chapter three. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Might stop and talk about those three verses there. Um, I have a couple points I wrote down. We are called the sons of God. Sons and daughters were adopted into God's family. 
and this will explain why the world does not appreciate our character or understand our reason, our reasons of our conduct. We're to be separate, and we're called, um, we're adopted into His family. Therefore, the world, we look strange to the world. And the consequence of um, having that relationship with God or being regarded as his son and adopted into his family means we will purify ourselves under the influence of this hope that we shall be like him when he appears. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Uh, Starting at verse 4 now. Whosoever... Committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose... The Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. It's talking about some pretty heavy or serious things through this portion. Um... All sin is a transgression of the law. It says in, in basically it's what it's saying in verse 4. But then it says Christ was manifested to take away our sins. But then it likens uh, he that commits sin to the devil. And then it also brings in the fact that if we do not love our brother, it's... Uh, in this are the children of God manifested, and the children of the devil. Whoso doeth not righteousness, doeth not righteousness, is not of God. Neither he that loveth not his brother. It's saying that will be a evidence of our, um, of our, I don't know if I want to say our salvation state, but um, the state of our heart will be if we do righteousness and love our brothers. <clears throat> Starting in verse 11. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. We know that we have passed from death unto life, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. True religion will be manifested by a Christian brotherhood. 
as a man who is not righteous cannot be a true Christian, neither can he who does not love his brother. It's a solemn command of the Savior that his followers will love one another. And it says it will, uh, it actually gives a practical example. It says, if you see a brother that has a need and you don't meet that need, how does the love of God dwell in you? And the love to the brethren furnishes the most certain evidence that we have passed from death unto life. And then uh, the ultimate example, we should be stimulated to love the brothers by the example that our Savior left us. It says, hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. And doesn't just stop there. And he says, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. <clears throat> Verse 19. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. I wasn't quite sure uh, what all that meant, so I did look up in a commentary, and he said, this is what, uh, I forget which commentary it was, but we may have evidence that we love God by the consciousness of our feelings toward him, as well as the outward acts toward his friend, toward his friends. And whatsoever ye ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. There is an assurance that we shall receive what we need if we ask it and keep his commandments. God knows everything we need, more than we do. And... um, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments. Um, the particular commandments on which the efficacy of our prayers so much depends are that we believe on the name of the Son and that we love the Christian brotherhood. So there's, there's, a, there's this theme kind of running through here that it's all about Christ's love for us and recognizing him and then us in turn loving our brothers as he loved us. He that keepeth his commandments dwelleth, this is verse 24, he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him and he in him, dwelleth in him and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. We may know that we abide in God by the spirit which he has given us as well as by keeping his commandments. So now I want to look a little bit at chapter 4 also. And this one I have the the duty and value of love are enforced by the following 
considerations. So to have some points with the, kind of goes along with uh, down to verse 20, basically. Um, so the first point is, love has its origin in God, and everyone who is true, who has truth, love, wait, I didn't write this right. Love has its origins in God, and everyone who is true, everyone who has true love is born of God. There we go. <laughs> Can't even read my own typing, let alone my own writing. So, so that would be verse uh, 7 through 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. I know we've all heard this passage very often. God is love, and he is. Um, but he also says that if we don't love others, then the, God, then the love of God isn't dwelling in us. And it's... Um, if we, we don't have true love unless we're born of God. And then point number two goes along with, with verses 9 through 11. And that is, God has shown us... God has shown his great love to us by giving his son to die for us. And as he has so loved us, we ought to love one another. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. Here in his love, not that he loved us, we loved God, but that he loved us, and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Makes me think of uh, the verse, um, greater love hath no man in this than one lay down his life for a friend. And um, we were enemies of God, and he laid down his life for us. The part that stood out to me, in, especially in verse 9, was that we might live through him. It's a, I say, vicarious living. It's all about his power and him living in us and through us. Um, that's how we have life, and that's how we can have the love of God shown to others. <clears throat> My third point is, if we love one another, it furnishes the best evidence that God dwells in us. That would be verse 12 through 15. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father <clears throat> sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. So loving one another, our neighbors, and those around us is the evidence that God dwells in us. Point number four is uh, God is love, and if we do not have and if we have true love, we dwell in him, and he dwells in us. That's just for verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. I don't know if that's a circular, circular reasoning, but it's a, it is a circular cycle, because it says uh, the love... Uh, let's see. 
if we know and believe the love that God hath to us, well, God is love, and then he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him, and it kind of is just a, I guess to use the, uh, um, the uh, marriage analogy of the, the energizing cycle, it just go, feeds on itself and goes... Um, keeps going because once we are in God and then as we saw earlier um, we live through him and through his love so it kind of feeds on itself and keeps going point number five is love will furnish us great advantage in the day of judgment by giving us confidence when we come before him herein is our love made Perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. That's quite a statement if you think about how Christ was in this world. I many times fall very short of that, but um, we can have boldness because we're living through him. And we can have... uh, confidence that when he comes that blood of he will see that blood of Jesus and not our sins and then my point number six is for verse 18 love will cast out all fear and will make our minds calm in view of the events which are to come there is no fear in love but perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment he that feareth is not made perfect in love I had to think, I was listening to some people talk about, you know, all these things going on in the world and all these, you know, throwing out all these different scenarios and possibilities and all these different things. And when I read this, it was, um, I don't know, it it struck me that love casts out all fear and makes our minds calm. I never really thought of the calm aspect, but there's that peace and that calm that no matter what events are going to happen or have happened to us if we have perfect love and our eyes are fixed upon Jesus and Jesus is we're living through him then we'll have that calm and that peace and that assurance and then in that there's no fear Uh, for verse 19 my point is the very fact that he was manifested the very fact that he has first manifested his love to us, should lead us to the exercise of love. That's verse 19. We love him because he first loved us. So because he loved us first, we should be exercising that in our day-to-day relationships and loving others ahead of ourselves, or can I say before they do something for us, or um, just giving sacrificially, I guess would be a way to say it. And then uh, my two last points kind of both go with um, the first 20. Um, A man cannot truly love God and yet hate his brother, and it is the solemn command of God that that he who loves God should love his brother also. So I guess that would be 20 and 21. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment we have from him, 
that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. Uh, John used the image of light throughout his writings um, to communicate multiple ideas. Um, as we saw earlier, or I tried to bring out earlier, the coming of Jesus, the person of Jesus, the saving knowledge of Jesus, and the redemption made possible by Jesus. But it was all things Jesus. Um, and it's because of Jesus that our sins have been forgiven. And it's by Jesus that we have been brought into a relationship with the eternal God of all creation. And it is through Jesus that we can have victory over sin and death. Uh, John called believers to walk in these truths. When we do, the world will see a people characterized by an audacious love for one another. It will see people who prize the word of God and live obediently to the call of God. Live in the light of what Jesus has done, and you will reflect that light into the dark world.